This podcast is brought to you through a partnership between the Tennessee's Early Intervention System and the Treatment and Research Institute for Autism Spectrum Disorders. My name is Shannon Pargin. I'm the Strategic Planning Coordinator for Tennessee's Early Intervention System. And we are coming at you live from the Building Best Practice Conference. Today, I am joined by Latamra Garrett and Kristen Doris. And Kristen, is an educational consultant for the Treatment and Research Institute for Autism Spectrum Disorders at the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center, who supports individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families by providing training and coaching related to evidence-based practices to families, educators, and community partners. Her 17 years of experience include partnering with individuals, families, and professionals in schools, developmental centers, clinics, and homes to improve communication skills. Kristen holds a Master of Science degree in Speech-Language Pathology from Western Kentucky University. She enjoys spending time with her husband and two sons on their family farm in Robertson County. And LaTamra is an Educational Consultant and Behavior Analyst for the Treatment and Research Institute for Autism Spectrum Disorders at the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center, who supports individuals with autism spectrum disorders, their families, educators, and community partners by providing training and coaching related to evidence-based practices. Latamer has 20 years of experience collaborating with individuals, families, and professionals in schools, developmental centers, clinics, and homes to increase education regarding evidence-based treatment strategies for children and adults with autism spectrum disorders and related developmental differences. She holds a master's of education degree in special education from Arizona State University. She's also a board certified behavior analyst. She enjoys listening to audiobooks, me too, spending time with her family and friends in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So, welcome. You just came off your session. We did. Presenting your session here at the conference. So, how did that go? You want to tell us about it? Sure, Shannon. Um, we just finished our session. We felt like it went great. Um, we shared with the participants that this training kind of came from Kristen's and I's conversations about um, our work with families and just weekly how things are going um, and just kind of how things go with us. So we felt like it was well received that people understood that these are things that they're probably already doing with families and we've put a name to them um, and just wanted to kind of help them to be more aware um, of ways that they could better structure their sessions or increase or decrease um, various behaviors that they're engaging in with families. So we don't feel like it was a lot of new information for a lot of the interventionists, but just kind of a reflective process of how can I increase parents' engagement, caregivers' engagement, um, and just better structure my sessions. But we felt like it went well, um, and people received it well and thought that, you know, really reflected on ways that they could um, add things into their, into their sessions with caregivers. Yes, it was great to be in a room full of EI providers um, from across our state and just to hear their reaction to thinking about their daily practice with families and how we can actually think about it in an objective way of what are we saying, what are we doing, and the mixture of those things within this framework that's flexible to help us truly evaluate our efficiency and effectiveness with caregivers. So tell us more about this framework. 
So as we, I used the image of a slinky, and it's kind of the way that I like to think of practice-based coaching in a flexible way in the early intervention area. We, we borrowed this framework from our experience as early childhood providers and the work and research that's gone into that model um, in the early childhood realm. Um, but practice-based coaching, in its very essence, is the process of coaching and really relies on three components that are very related to the work that we do within sessions with families. So shared goals and action planning, component one. Component two, focused observation and application. And then component three, reflection and feedback. And as we think about that underlying structure of our sessions, we then apply the eight coaching strategies that Latamra discussed in the session. Okay, how am I? What strategies am I using to develop shared goals and action plan? What strategies am I using within focused observation and application? And which coaching strategies am I using with families during the reflection and feedback components of practice, flexible practice-based coaching? Okay. So, Latamara, you want to talk more about what you shared in the session then? Yes. Um, so like Kristen said, I talked about the different strategies that fall um, under the umbrellas of the different types of practice types of practice-based coaching um, and just kind of chunked those into those into the three different sections and showed um, the early interventionist ways that those could be applied within the session. We showed them videos and then let them reflect um, within themselves about how they um, are addressing those things in their session. So they could decide, am I engaging in observation strategies frequently, always, never, occasionally? Um, and if I'm not doing those things, you know, how could I do that more? And that's kind of what we shared. And if I am doing it, that's great. And what are some other areas um, that I could increase during my session? So we kind of went through all eight of those and allowed them to reflect on each of those strategies and just think about their sessions and how those could apply um, and gave some examples and shared our own experiences as well. We wanted them to also know that, again, this came from our discussion. So um, there are areas that I would like to, you know, increase more in my sessions and things that I could do less in my sessions so that families um, can be more engaged and get more of an opportunity to practice with their child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the use of videos. What, what kind of videos were you using? So we, we kind of broke up the videos. Um, it was a whole video, but we kind of broke them up into segments to show each strategy. So we showed um, a triad consultant engaging in conversation and information sharing with a caregiver. We showed a triad consultant just observing. And that observing means you just observe. We're not providing feedback. We're not jumping in. We're not teaching. We're just watching to see what's happening in the environment. And we wanted them to have that visual of, again, this is what triad consultants are putting into place. We're not asking you to do things or, or talking about things that we don't ourselves um, engage in and often struggle to make sure that we're balancing with families as well. And so we tried to show a video clip of each one um, of those strategies. And then for one of the strategies, just talked about joint um, interactions, which is a lot of our favorites because it's one of the strategies where you get to rebuild, build that rapport with families. You get to just kind of talk about their day and what did they do for Easter or, you know, what has the child been doing or what are they planning for dinner because you smelled them cooking, but just trying to let that parent know that I get that you're a person too and I'm not just here to focus on your child, but I want you to know that I also want to engage with you. So we tried to show examples um, and even pull from their examples of um, what they're experiencing with families as well. So this conference includes um, 
our early interventionists, our service coordinators, and our district administrators, our, our directors of agencies. So it, it's a broad swath. Um, so how would you recommend applying this to people who may not work in a home-based setting like a child care center? Well, I'd love to talk about that because I loved hearing the reaction in the room to some of the information that we shared about the top 10 characteristics of adult learners. And no matter what role we're filling with the state, I think we're all working at some capacity with the families or with the providers that we're incorporating into the services. We're all coming at this from the care and as from how can I support other adults in this scenario that are part of this team. And so I really loved hearing the, the audience think about those characteristics and reflect on how they're seeing those things manifested within their work in a variety of capacities. So some of the things like adults like choices in the same way that children do. Adults like reinforcement. Adults who don't summarize the information that we're sharing with them, who don't have that opportunity, lose 25% of that within the first hour. And within they lose 85% of that within the first week and how just understanding these things that adults suffer from brain chaos and the more predictability and underlying structure we can add to our interactions with one another and with families that can help improve that capacity with them. Um, I loved the point that adults don't argue with their own data so the more that we can guide one another in whatever capacity it is to reflect on our own practice, the more convincing and motivating that can be for us to, to change things. Um, I think that that information about how we're all learning um, and how to best support adult learners, it was really great to hear people's reaction to that and how much that information can influence everything that we're doing with one another under this mission of the state's early intervention system. And I like that Kristen has brought that up, and I think you made a good point in the presentation, is that the majority of us didn't go to school to teach adults. We went to school because we loved engaging with children, we wanted to work with children, and here we are now in this role of daily <laughs> engagement with adult learners. And so I definitely don't think that that's a topic that we talk about enough, that we capitalize on, um, and that we make a point about. So I was really glad that Kristen added that component into our training um, because we want to help people to think about, okay, as we're providing this caregiver coaching and feedback, I also need to think about, you know, what, how do adults learn? What do I need to do to make sure that I'm taking that into consideration? And it is a lot to balance and it's a lot to think about um, all at the same time, but we hope that, you know, some of these checklists kind of help that to make a little bit more sense, but definitely an important part um, of the coaching process. So first, the term brain chaos is <laughs> my favorite. It, it just replaced behavior burst, which is one I heard last week. So each week I have a new term. It's my term of the week. So, um, so in regard to specifically around childcare, so regardless of who the adult is that you're working with, you would apply these strategies. The adult in the setting, you would apply the, the same strategies. It may look a little different. And then also the importance of communicating then back with the primary caregiver, the, the parent, um, on what's going on. There's what I, what I took from what you, <laughs> you said. Am I, is that accurate? Is that... Yes, I think that's definitely um, something important to think about all the different pieces that are going into supporting a family, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, 
we, we had an opportunity to kind of create an analogy that described adult learning. And I described it as I'm trying to build a bridge that, and the caregivers are the bridge that I'm trying to help support so that their child can walk across and reach their goals right. through that. But maybe I'm, maybe I also needed to think about all the other things that are supporting those adults, like the child care center and all those other elements that are in place that are also helping the child walk across the bridge. And I think that being mindful of that, thinking about um, how I'm going to plan my sessions in a way that at the end, if I need to give um, the caregivers or the child care um the child care interventionist an opportunity to reflect on their own practice, but then also how they're going to share what they've learned that day with another caregiver or another uh, person that's supporting that child as well in the center. I think that's a really important takeaway um, to think about in that problem solving and reflection piece of practice-based coaching. So one of the other things, um, I think a question that may come up, we have Routines-based, and now you're throwing practice-based. Like, like, what's the difference between those? Like, where, you know, are we supposed to know them both, or how do they bridge? So that's a great question, Shannon. And I, I hope that at the beginning of today's <laughs> session, um, I didn't med- muddy it up. I included the image of a shifting gear, and I hoped that 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 shift it from routines-based intervention actually means a broadening of the concept of what routines-based intervention is and that it doesn't just include involving the families and the assessment and the goal development and the IFSP process, but I'm broadening the concept of routines-based and family-centered practice into how can I best support this caregiver and coach them to implement the interventions that are needed to help this child achieve those goals? That's the focus of my attention, not what I can do with this child to help them achieve their goals, but what I can help this caregiver do, what I can help them learn, how I can help them practice, how I can help them problem solve and reflect on their own interactions with their child to help them best support that. I think you're correct, Kristen, and I think the strategies really take into account a lot of the different ways that people learn, right? So we've got practicing without feedback. We've got practicing and partnering together. We've got problem solving. We've got reflective questioning. So we take into account all of the different learning styles of caregivers, of um, child care providers. We take into account the different environments. So if I'm at home, it may be a little bit more direct teaching, but if I'm in a child care center and there's 10 other kids running around, and this child care provider is trying to manage um, the child that I'm there to help with, then I do need to be flexible in my strategies and know that I may not get to do a lot of direct teaching, but I might be able to ask some reflective questionings during snack time and they've got the time to talk and then help them to come up with some problem solving um, and maybe provide some feedback afterwards. So I feel like the model really gives them an opportunity to be you know, flexible, like we said, with our slinky and really take into account where am I Um, What environment am I in? What routines are taking place? Um, Who's the audience that I'm actually um, coaching at the moment? And how do I need to tailor that for them? Um, Because you're right, things that I can do very well with a family at home, I may not be able to do very well in a child care center. And that's fine. We can still get at the same goals and help them. Um, But I think that we need to take those strategies into account and be flexible and try to to, to use a model that's going to, um, to, to work within within that routine to help that 
child care set child care teacher to be successful so they don't feel like we're just coming in and saying you need to fix all these things you're not doing these things with this kid here's more to do or it's not just me sitting and engaging with the child the whole time um, during my session as well but that we're partnering and I'm taking into account the child care providers um, concerns um, and using the strategies to fit um, that environment better so one more question about um, the service coordinator. So the role of the service coordinator is a little bit different. They're not that direct practitioner. They're, they're more of a case management role or the, the quarterback of the child's IFSP team. And so what, what's your advice for them or what do you think they could take away from your session today? Well, I think, you know, as I think about the eight strategies that we talked about, I think that service coordinators lead the charge when it comes to that first piece of obs of information sharing and, and being able to start those conversations, ask those questions mm -hmm. that need to be in place and to support caregivers in doing, um, asking those questions and sharing that information with new, new team members who come. So I, I see them as the quarterback of the first component of practice-based coaching, the shared goals and action planning, and that they can be such an instrument um, to improve the efficiency as they bring members onto the team with their amazing communication and coordination skills. And I've seen um, several service coordinators come in and also engage in some of these strategies um, you know, you talked about the communication and information sharing. I've seen them come in and be a part of the feedback process. And the, and we talked in our um, presentation about feedback not just being corrective, but also being positive. So coming in and cheering this family on that they haven't seen in a month and saying, that really does look great. You really have been practicing. This looks awesome. You, you guys have been working really hard with this child. And I feel like that's really validating to families to have someone come in who maybe saw them on that very first initiation of service. And then they come in for this monthly check and they're seeing this growth in their child and they're seeing the growth in the adult as well, right? Because we are training and teaching um, adults. And so I think, you know, them coming in and being a part of that team and just continuing to encourage that family and I see them using these strategies that we've talked about being a part of the joint interaction helping in the problem-solving process as well you know having multiple minds in there um, who've seen this child and kind of know what the family is experiencing so I think you're right they are an integral part of the mm -hmm. team um, I love when I get to have sessions with the interventionist and the service coordinator and all of us coming together um, to reflect with this family and talk about the progress um, and the growth so I definitely think that they um, are just as much a part of this coaching process as the interventionist and bring a lot to the team um, and have, have done so and continue to do so. So it's nice to get to work with everyone in that capacity. Is there anything else you want to share with us? Any? I just really enjoyed the experience of being able to think about my own uh, practice this year and in this way about coaching and to be able to share and discuss that with other providers across the state was really an awesome opportunity and I was grateful for it. Yes, the same. It was, again, really reflective, even for ourselves and something that, you know, we do on, you know, as frequently as we get the opportunity to see families. So it was a nice opportunity to share that with others, um, kind of on a bigger platform. Um, and so we appreciate that opportunity. Well, the feedback I heard on your session was that it, you, you guys were just so 
energetic and positive <laughs> and people loved it and I heard I heard a call for encore so um, we just can't thank you enough for coming and sharing your knowledge and your experience with us and and we just are really grateful to have just such wonderful practitioners that are are willing to come and share with us and teach us mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you.